Right, should we get this show on the road? I'm mindful of age here. Okay. Right, let's see if you know this one. Red dwarf. are much more uh, happy to put water in their whiskey. But Rachel, you said you don't do cocktails. Ah, well, it's two ingredients, whiskey and water, my friend. Three ingredients for a cocktail. If I've got a garnish, I'll have you. Hello Dram Facers, welcome to episode 15, affectionately titled, Tis, Tis the Season. Welcome everyone. <laughs> today today I'm joined by uh, Rob, no I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Roy, you're going to keep that in, I just know you are. <laughs> I'll give you a clean one so we can pretend like it never happened. Hello Dram Facers, welcome to episode 15, affectionately titled, Tis the Season. Today I'm joined by Roy, Gordon, Rachel and Jen. How are we all? Fantastic. Grand. Good. Good, Good to stuff. see you again. Good to see you. It's been a wee while. Yeah, you too. You too. Nice to see some new faces or for everyone else to hear some new voices. Hmm. M- mixing it up. Uh, Rob, we, we miss you so much. I, I made a faux pas and introduced you when you weren't here. We'll, we'll <laughs> carry on. Right. We'll carry on like the professionals we are. As is, as is <laughs> the tradition, it's always good to do a round table and see what we're dramming. I'm curious, Jen, what's in the glass tonight? I couldn't decide and at one point was actually standing holding five different bottles and couldn't decide what to go for. Yes. Um, but I decided on a old Tobermory 10. Oh, the old one. Yeah, not the old, old one, but the last Tobermory 10, I guess. Since the, the 46.3 one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Superb. Tobermory. Tober, my, my shelves are Tobermory free. Mm, me too. What am, I, what, what am I missing out on, Jen? Oh, well, actually two of mine that I had in my hands were Tobermory's. The other one was the 17-year-old Madeira cask. Oh, Madeira really cask. tasty as well. But, um, so so yeah, Ra- Rachel's, Rachel's getting excited in the background. She's got, she wants to interject. We almost chose the same drum, Jennifer! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the Tobermory 17-year-old, but I've not started. Oh, there we go. Well, there's a good segue. Rachel, what's in the glass? Did you say a 17? 17-year-old Tobermory Madeira finish, which is a delicious... Oh hello! Now see, Madeira's on Madeira's on my radar because Arna Merkin's Madeira's kicking around. Yes. Gordon knows I'm I'm lusting for it. How mm-hmm. how is it? How's the how's the Tobermory? Lovely, delicious, really salted caramel. I feel like that's you always get kind of salted caramel in Tobermory. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think with this tin is salted caramel as well. Yep, 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 and it's extra extra in the Madeira. It's really nice. A wee bit of water. I prefer it with a wee bit of water. It's quite sharp. But, but it's good. cast strength as well, that one, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. We should point out this broad, this podcast is not sponsored by Tobermory. It's just by chance that Rachel and Jane both have the same distillery. We always say that we've got opposite tastes, but I think recently we've actually our tastes have been converging a little bit more. And that yeah. the Tobermory Madeira cask was actually a bottle split we did between the three of us in the shop. 
Yeah. But you're both, if we're confessing, ex-Distel employees. Yes. We, we both actually worked at Toberbody for cover. Yep. For a wee, for just for, I was only there for about a week or five days. How long were you so, there, so there So there Something is like a wee that. bit of a, a fondness there, right? Definitely, definitely, yeah. Yeah. So wait, Rachel, did, did you just get your P45 after a week? Is that how that went? No, I went back to Deanston after that. So we both worked at Deanston. I, just, uh, I know I was caught drinking all the 42-year-old leche and I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair yeah, enough. That's tremendous. It's worth it, right? It's, oh, definitely. I do that's it hilarious. again. Uh, Gordon, what's, what's, in the, what's in the glass? I had the same problem as Jen and I had at least six bottles at one point try to choose. So I brought three up. And, and they're all Ardnamarkins. Uh, well, <laughs> listen, one is a Rassi, which is quite nice. I have got an Ardnamarkin. And I've got a Carnmore Glengarry. This Ooh, thing. smashing. Yeah. Six years old? What? Six years old. Um, what, what, when did that one come out? Maybe? Let me just get my belly backs on. It was bottled in 2019. I've got that one. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. No, genuinely, I have a six-year-old. Yeah. 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 Well, I found this on Nichols and Perks. Just I was I was perusing of an afternoon, and I found it. and I thought, oh, it was thirty-eight pounds. I thought I'm going to get that. So I hummed and hawed, and I, I put it in the basket and out the basket, and I ended up getting it, and it's brilliant. Um, what what are the American what rassies do you have? I have. So I, I'll go for the rassi first. So I've got the rassi. R01.1. Nice one, nice one, cool. Aye, really good. And if you put a wee bit of a heavily sherried dram in there, like you pour a glass and you put another wee bit of sherry in there, it makes it 10 times better. Oh, yeah. Very interesting idea. So, so what you're saying is, Gordon, you're a better blender than Alistair Day. Right. Well. Anyway, and I the <laughs> I'm on a bit of a quest at the minute to try and backdate all of the Ardnamurkins. So I'm I'm getting them at auction. And I got this one for oh. thirty one pounds. This is the the O one dot twenty one oh one. So this is the second release and I got it for thirty one pounds. So I'm trying to get them all at auction. That's the thing, I think people thought People were buying them up thinking that they were going to go aye, aye. really pricey. And so many people did that. I don't think it's... Aye, they're putting them Gordon, out. It's catch, it's catch and release. Yes, You're opening them, right? You're not just keeping right. them closed. Every single one. Superb. As it should be. Well, aye. I mean, what's the point in having a closed bottle on your shelf? Unless it's a backup that you intend to open in the future. <laughs> That's right. Well, I don't have many backups. I don't have many backups. After the V pub on Thursday, I thought I'm going to count my bottles, so I did. And of the, I think I've got sixty-two. Five are closed. They're all open, and the five that I've got that are closed are not backups. They're just ones that I've had. They were backups, but they're now the the ones. I was a wee bit panicky when I grabbed this Glengarry that I was going to pull out something that's not opened. Look, but it's so it's you opened. do look at that. But it's only there's only one. It's like a library of whiskey. No, I think that's that's really quite a coincidence, buddy. Uh, this is it doesn't have a cast number on it, but it's twenty nineteen, six year old, three hundred and six bottles from one cask. So that's nuts. Mm. And I bought this from the wee shop in Perth that you go to. Did you? Yeah, that's a really good shop. How do you find Glengarry? Because it's one of the few distilleries I don't seem to enjoy. I think it's 
it is an acquired taste. I mean, I'm big on the kind of purple fruit heather thing. And there's a kind of weird smelly sock to it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that can put people off. Aye, so I don't know. I just it, it's one of these things that just resonates with me, and I just can't get enough. There's, I've not had a, a bad Glengarry or one that I don't enjoy. Yeah, I find it a mood dram, and it is quite distinctive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to be applauded though, because you know, given who the owners are, they put they put their standard stuff out at forty eight percent, right? Um, so mm-hmm. there's lots to explore there. Um, but what's interesting is what the distillery's been doing recently. They've actually reinstalled a direct fire still, which is no nuts when you think about it. You know, it's just years and years since, you know, decades of distilleries moving over to, um, you know, much more efficient, let's say, or much more modern ways of heating their distillate. And in Glengarry, and I was putting on a direct fire wash still, but they're also talking about moving back to the old traditional Glengarry style, which is, if you've ever been... Uh, as Doug would say, a whiskey exciter mm. over the decades, and you've um, tasted old Glengarry. It was peated, so you had mm. that kind of occasionally challenging farmyardy thing going on with a big lick of peat as well. I've tried, a, I've tried a couple doing quite weighty things, but the, but it is a mood dram. I would say it's a mood dram. So stick, keep sticking at it, Jen. You might find one that you. Because Jen, what you need, yes. what you need is to like even more whiskey. Exactly. I'm sure that, that's your problem. <laughs> it's like the only one distillery I can pinpoint that I'm not keen on so far. So, wow, that's oh. a pretty good success rate. Yeah. Roy, what's uh, what's in your glass? I have two glasses on the go, but the reason I've got two is because I've just opened uh, the, the Loch Lomond Distillery release, the first one. So, depending on when this uh, thing gets released. This just came out, uh, this Dramface podcast, I mean, gets released. This came out at the end of November. Um, and yeah, there's only 250 or 260-odd bottles of it, I think, which makes it a really small release. £65 a bottle. And what it doesn't say on the packaging anywhere is that it's actually another Chardonnay wine yeast. So you might remember mm-hmm. the Aquavite release earlier in the year mm-hmm. was Chardonnay wine yeast. And uh, I just... Loved it, loved it so much, and it was it's gone down really well. So all I wanted to do was to see how close this nine year old one, the first in the distillery releases, was to my release, and it's very, very close. Which is interesting because mine is first fill bourbon, and this is refill, mm. but it's an active refill cask, very active. In fact, it's a notch darker than my first fill, despite being a year younger. Can you see? I don't know if you could see in the camera. This one Just is, about, right? is mm-hmm. a wee bit lighter. So the first fill is actually li- the lighter of the two. I believe it to be natural colour, by the way. But it's gorgeous and I'm very happy. At £65, I'm very happy to have. How does, it, how, does it com- how does it compare, Roy? Uh, I, I, I've just opened it while I was chatting to you guys and setting up tonight. But it's got that lovely, fizzy, bright fruit, right? It's all about the kind of effervescence. It's all about the... Um, you know, distilleries talk about harvesting fruit, exaggerating the fruit, trying to get fruit out, whether it's through the fermentation, whether it's through uh, encouraging reflux in the distillation, depending on what cut they're going to take, whatever it is. So much of the discussions about fruit. Um, And when you consider just how much, because it's not even all Chardonnay yeast, I think it's 30% of the yeast they use is Chardonnay yeast. But compared to 
uh, other Loch Lomans, it really helps the fruit pop, especially when it's taken from the straight neck pot still, which is super light and fruity anyway. So it's just, if you like fruity drams, I'd say, that, you know, this is a wee bit of a, a more of a, a summer dram rather than coming into winter. So, uh, but it's fantastic. Fruit all over the place. Have you tried mine Superb. yet, Gregor? Yes, you and I have had many uh, a, a tussle over this one on. I, I prodded you on, if all whiskey tasted like a whiskey, you would choose that Loch Lomond and you said yes. I would choose this style. Yes, yes, I would. Yeah, if and if I had is, to pick one, I would. I mean, I love a big peat monster. I love a big hit of peat, but and I love dirty whiskies and I love really thick sherry whiskies and I love it all. But if I could only have one, it'd be this really elegant fizzy fruity style. From that's a maybe a good. Cask. Yeah. That's maybe a quick a good quick pop quiz around the table. Um, oh God! If you had to, if you had to choose one whiskey, you know, one whiskey was going to be the definition of what all whiskey would taste like. What would that be? It can be style or a very specific, even expression. Oh, that's hard. I I I know the answer. Go for it. Mine would be Ardnamurkin. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> but it would be finishing sherry, and I, I do not wow gravitate towards sherry at all. But there's something about the Ardnamurkin youth spirit with a sherry cask influence that just that's that, that's where i'm going now yeah yeah i get it i get yeah. it and by the way uh, can we can we all caveat that, that we need the ability to change our minds about this tomorrow absolutely because oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's just the nature of it all but yeah but but i get that answer i get it i get it buddy. what about you jen if you were if you were going to pick a lane what would it be we did just do a video on the well the five whiskies challenge, so five whiskies in different categories. If you could only have those for the rest of your life, and the one at the special occasion one was Lechig eighteen. So I think I would have to go something from Lechig, probably the eighteen year old, either that or a Kalila. Petey, you're into Pete. Like smoky mm -hmm. smoke smoke fest. Mm, I think so. Yeah. What about yourself, Rachel? That's hard. I don't know. Like. I feel like at the moment I'm kind of into quite tropical, spicy kind of whiskies. But I feel like if there was only one type of whiskey, my one I chose for the special occasion one was Bunna 18. And I feel like it would have, if you could only ever have whiskies that tasted like that, I feel like for the sake of other people getting into whiskey, you'd have to have something like that. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a very selfless answer, Rachel, that you were for the benefit of others. I mean, selfless to a point, I do own an alcohol shop, so. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I see the motives. But I mean, like, I mean that's, let's be honest, the, the, it's nice for us to be sitting at home and, you know, pondering and thinking and having a wee bit of quiet time. But there's nothing better than seeing a whiskey that you love and really enjoy, just lighten up somebody's face, you know, just seeing the reaction when they go, oh my goodness, this is good. Um, and let's, I'll be honest with you, the reason I had a night off last night is because I had a, <laughs> a friend over on Friday night and it's been a wee while since we got together. We were at the Glasgow Festival together. We were talking about that for ages and uh, we just got, and he'd seen me on the V-Pub opening so many whiskies that he was dead keen to try. So we just went for it and we we're just kind of sharing all these really cool new things. And I, I love it because after every sip, you're kind of looking at him and saying, right, what do you think? And he's just got this smile on his face and he's going, 
aye, aye. And it's that so much of the fun is just to have that that vicarious enjoyment as much as your primary mm-hmm. enjoyment, right? Equally, while you don't want everyone to like the same thing, it is a bit sad when you share something you really like and they don't. You're, there's a little bit of, oh, oh, really? Well, mm. we'll try this. At the, the end of friendships is always a sad thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, maybe, maybe we round off uh, what we're drinking with a game of Guess, guess the Bottle. If I, it's is not, it a it's Billy Walker? Glenn no, Allocate, it's got to no, be. no. No, but if, if I hold this up to the camera, you'll see oh. it's a screw top. It is a screw top. And it's got directions. Is I, it Japanese? If I go really, if I go an, really close. It it's an Oishi. Oh. Oishi rice whiskey. Oh. It's a, a Oishi oh, eight-year ex-sherry. Um, Gordon, I think you would like this, 43.6. And the reason it's up is because I've, I've thrown it in a blind tasting. And you're right, it's it's made from rice. It's yeah. bonkers. Yeah. It's bonkers, bonkers, bonkers. I don't know I'm how now, after, after the Dramface review that came out for the uh, its sibling, that it wasn't the Sherry Cask one that we reviewed. I'm chasing it. I'm, I'm hunting down Oishi. It was, it was available everywhere a few years back, and but now it seems to be much harder to find. Have you, have you been retailing? Any Oishi girls at no. the shop? No, we need to get that Never in. Seen that food's extremely interesting. It's, it, yeah. The fact it's made from rice, and it, it was funny, it's um, my friend that runs the local Scotch bar that, that told me about it, and he said he put it in front of someone, and they, when the person found out it was rice whiskey, they were affronted <laughs> that, that he blinded them with it. And I, I thought it was genius, you know, that, that guy's... Bit too narrow minded. That is yeah, we're always one of my favourite things new in the shop. Oh, sorry, Jen. Yeah, we're always up for having something new and different and yeah, convincing people. I yep. love it. I love it. That's my favourite thing during the shop is give people blind whiskey tastings of foreign whiskies. And they're like, I can't believe that's not Scotch. <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> love it. I love it. Uh-huh. It's, it's, I think it's at its best when it's an English whiskey, right? you have to draw a line somewhere Roy I wouldn't do that <laughs> I love it I do I think it's terrific and because I always you know there's nothing going to guarantee good quality scotch more than good quality world whiskies but Definitely. an extreme example of that is good quality English whiskey <laughs> that'll really make us pull our finger out I think that's so good <laughs> I love it well the, the loose topic for today was about seasonality um, and yeah. Rachel, you you actually touched on it that your or your palate right now is in a certain lane. Roy, you talked about wanting a certain drama. I was curious, do we or do you guys have a want for a different dram as the year goes? We've been drinking whiskies for a while now. Have you noticed any patterns in in the whiskies you're reaching for in the summer versus the winter? Yes, I have. But it's predictable. It's it's pretty obvious and predictable. Well, uh, see, the thing is, I've not been drinking that long, and so my first year was kind of season seasonalless, because I was just going for everything, right? <laughs> and so it wasn't until this year, when it got into kind of autumn, I was like, "Hmm, I fancy a smoky dram," and it <clears throat> it was that kind of shift, which I didn't notice before, because I was just like, "Give me everything," yeah. So I I noticed that first time this year that I was gravitating more towards the the burny ones than kind of fresh ones. Burny, 
There's a good word. And this is is this the first podcast we've had where it's we're all Scots? Ooh. Yeah, yes. We've, we've, we've blown it on diversity, Gregor. <laughs> well, I think we're, we're offsetting it. We're offsetting it with gender um, <laughs> diversity. Well, there we go. Well, let's you're, take that and run. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. He was talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> that's the age diversity, Roy. Yes, that's right. Ouch. This could be the youngest podcast we've ever had. Actually, now that we say age. <laughs> Let's take it. <laughs> I love that. We'll appeal to the younger crowd. But so, Gordon, you but you were saying fairly predictable leanings seasonally, whereas Rachel, you were you were actually talking about bright and fruity right now, no? Yeah, to be honest, like I, I know that's quite a topic or a thing. We know it's that in the shop, definitely that you sell certain whiskies at certain times of year. When I think about it, I don't really do that as much. I think my other drink choices are more seasonal. So I'm more likely to drink like rum and other like warm drinks in the winter times and maybe gin and other things like that in the summer ones. But with whiskey, it's really whatever is tickling my fancy at the time. And I'm quite bad with like, I get quite obsessed with a certain flavour. So like I'm obsessed with sherry casks for a while and then I'm obsessed with like core casks and more tropical flavours. Or certain casts or whatever else. So, are you is your year more led by your palate than the season as to your I, own journey? I don't care about the season, and it's cold all the time. Does it really matter? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that's true. I do not miss the short summer that you get. That that pre- that pleasant day in Scotland is mm. oh, few, few. it's rough, man. It's but rough. then, well, so then here's a question. Then, though, do you do you cool off on whiskey through the summers? And if so, where where do you pivot? I don't like cool off. I don't. I feel like when you say that, I think about a thirst quenching drink, and it's not something I ever have when I'm like thirst quenching. Um, and it's usually something I have like it's an evening drink. I think. Uh-huh. And again, even the evenings in Scotland, it's cold. Very true. Mm. I I found I did find this summer, I reached critical mass for a bunch of reasons. We touched on it in previous podcasts as well. There was a lot of whiskey in a short space of time, but then I did, I think it was one of the first times I did back off whiskey for the summer. Yeah. It was just too hot. It was too hot to, to have something spicy or whatever. Um, and definitely pivoted into cocktails. And I, and I mentioned before, I discovered a few years ago, a Manhattan and how dangerous that those are. <laughs> Three of those and it's game time. Um, yeah, but I, I, I mean, I love the fact that you can mix up your your intake with a cocktail. I'm curious then, what's the what's the cocktail go to across the board if you're if you're going to mix up your whiskies? Well, I don't do cocktails. <laughs> so last summer it was pretty hot, and we were connecting. Kind of hang on, aye, no, twenty twenty. I've lost track of time. I think <laughs> when it was 2020, we had... It's been, it's been a long march. That was a really <laughs> long march. That's what happens in your 50s, Gordon. Thank you. <laughs> I think um, when when it, we were locked down, at we I was big into cocktails at that point, and I came up with my own cocktail, and I called it a Skims, because it was mm. a Scottish Pims. Oh, oh. A Skims. A skims. Like and it Kim was, Kardashian's underwear line, that's called Skims. What? No. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Is that, I'm gonna have to have a rethink. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's not just. Un, I don't think it's just underwear. I think she does like leggings and stuff, but it's called skims. Yeah. Right. But Gordon, just just keep adding M's to the name until you yeah. pass yeah. Le, until you pass legal. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to rethink that. That's, that's a disaster. <laughs> so what's <laughs> in a what's in a Gordon what's in a Gordon's skims? Well, it starts with Quantro. It's not even a whiskey cocktail. So off topic. Sorry. It starts with Quantro, <laughs> and then there's a whole load of bitters, whoever uh-huh. can find, and then a half of lime, and then the rest in ginger beer. Oh, ginger beer. Aye. So the listener, the listeners got to f- figure some of those measurements out themselves. Well, a good measure of Quantro, and then I think there's uh, Angostura bitters, there's orange bitters, and then you just start up down the hatch. <laughs> That's it. Down the, down, the, down, the, down, the, down the face pipe. Down the face pipe, aye. And <laughs> one, two, three, you're on your back. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's when Roddy was on a couple of weeks ago, he's, uh, he's, he used the, the, the Dorothy Parker line again. I like a cocktail, two at the most, three is too much, four, I'm under my host. And and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a funny line, but I have taken to making cocktails recently because of, because of Roddy oh. and because of other folk. Um, and you know, when folk are coming in and you're, you know, we've for years because of family and kids and stuff, we've been entertaining at home when we stopped going out. And uh, yeah, whiskey was good for that. But cocktails are a great Kickstarter for the night. Mm. And if it's a nice cocktail that you can intrigue people with and it's nice and easy and tasty, it's it's brilliant. The problem is, is that they're fussy and you end up spending all the time at the kitchen counter making drinks rather than relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to kind of reinforce that thing. Look, no, we'll move on to something else and you can you can, you can can help yourself to the drams and things. But I get recommended one. And interestingly, when Gordon was talking about measures there, I think we need to relax a wee bit with the cocktail measures and you can make it to taste a wee bit more, I think, because mm-hmm. I got told about a paper plane because of what I was enjoying. There's a cocktail called the paper plane. So this is bourbon. So it's one part bourbon, one part Aperol, one part uh, Amaro, and one part lemon juice. And mm. you just you mix all these ingredients together, you chill it in your shaker uh, and strain it, into a glass, Manhattan glass, whatever it is, eh? fantastic. And I have to say, I loved it. It's really bright and fresh. It's a real livener, let's say. But I found it a wee bit tart, even for my taste. And I like things to be sharpened like that. And But my wife said, ooh, a wee bit sharp. So I made it with 50-50 lemon and orange and added a, just a wee bit more of the sweeter fruit juice. And I think I've... I've not improved it, but I've made it to my taste, let's say. Hmm. So the paper plane was smashing, and that's dead easy. Uh, the only hassle with it is you're, fre- you're freshly squeezing citrus fruit, but it makes a difference. It's better. And then the other one, and I still don't know what this is actually called, but I'm going to go with New Fashioned because that's when I was first given it in Texas, Gregor. Uh-huh, yes. I've perfected that thing, and it is just glorious is to die for my problem is i'm now buying a jar of cherries a month a tenner a pop <laughs> to keep me and my guests fueled in these things what was in that well i've worked out rachel unfortunately that the best way to make it is some really high-end cast strength like uh barrel strength bourbon oh, which is not the, the 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 get out is wild turkey 101 thank goodness for wild turkey 101 because you get 50.5 percent abv there you can buy it everywhere it's pretty cheap and it's often on offer but the best cocktail i ever made with it was with precious precious four roses single barrel it was just wonderful so see when you talk about wasting whiskey in a cocktail it's the wrong way to think about it 
imagine you're only going to have that one cocktail and it is every bit a celebratory drink as any of your special whiskies are going to be. And if that whiskey can lift that cocktail to make it not just a nice tasty drink, but something to really, really have people beaming and, and loving it, that's worth it. However, I only, I only sacrificed one or two Four Roses. Well, Turkey 101 is working just perfectly well. But you use you you take um instead of uh, you know making simple syrup, I was never good at it. It's fussy, isn't it? You've always got to make it and have it ready. But a short. Oh, it's cut. so easy though. I know, I know, but it's just something you've just, got to do. You just and... boil, boil water with some sugar. I know. <laughs> Listen, but I was told that a, a cheat. There's two cheats actually, and both work well, but one's better than the other. Instead of using simple syrup, use maple syrup. Mm-hmm. And the other one is. You know the Luxardo cherries that are ten pounds a jar. Mm. Use the syrup out the jar. It yes. is like it adds this silky. Uh, obviously, the, the 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 almond, the kind of amaretto kind of flavors that are coming from that as well, and it just adds a silkiness to the glass too. It's absolutely terrific. That makes so, it good old fashioned as well. Well, I think that this is actually an old fashioned, but uh, so an old fashioned I think uses bourbon as well. Jen, is that right? Yeah, usually. Yeah. So I'm put I'm put in this thing I'm putting in a the new fashioned is maybe just the fact that you're you're using I don't know but it's the bourbon you're you're putting in some bitters uh, your vermouth at which I've been using a, a kind of red vermouth it works quite well um, and that's it the cherries and you know the ice it sounds very close to an old fashioned I don't know what differentiates them uh, but everybody just when they come into the house now they just say one of your cocktails, please. (laughs) (laughs) Which which has proven to be expensive, but it's gorgeous. And it's very wintry too. I don't know if that makes sense. It's just a a very, very chilled drink, of course, but it's just the flavours are perfect for this time of year. I'm I'm loving it. I've put myself in the mood for one now, actually. (laughs) I know. And we're all sitting with single malts. But Rachel, did I pick up that your idea of a cocktail is a few splashes of water in your single malt? (laughs) <laughs> I'm so bad. I'm so spilly. I'm such a spilly person. I hate cocktails. We've tried and tried in the shop to be like, we need to learn about cocktails and I the hate it. It's so stained. I, <laughs> um, I love I love drinking cocktails, don't get me wrong. I love watching them being made because it's such an art, but I'm, I'm rubbish at making them so far. I'll learn. So I'll learn and then you can drink them. Thank you, Jane. I'll get some of your recipes, Roy. I, I was going to say in the summer, I don't think I have like seasonal whiskey drinking habits because I think I'm often out at a bonfire outside I live pretty much in a field and we've always often got a bonfire on the go so I usually have well you want a smoky whiskey when you're cold at night at a bonfire even in the summer um but one thing I did do in the summer was started drinking highballs mm-hmm. and that was kind of my extent of a cocktail a wee bit of lime yeah but, but Jen also the the ice cream Float challenge, hip flask. Oh yeah, things. that was really good actually. Hip flask hiking club. I'm a member of. Um, did the ice cream whiskey ice cream float challenge. Um, so I think my favourite one that I did was a long row eighteen with uh, the Paisley Drinks Company um, strawberry snowball soda, and some of the um, is it the walls um, soy ice cream, soy vanilla ice cream, really good, and some sprinkles on top because you've got to. <laughs> wow! And, so and as, a, as a float, yeah. yeah, yeah. As a float, wow. We're going. We're definitely breaking whiskey now. I know we but, are. Yeah. We are. These were all doing different <laughs> combinations, weren't you? It was great. 
Yeah, <laughs> if you look up the hashtag on Instagram, Ice Cream Whiskey Float Challenge, I think that's the order it goes in. Um, you'll find some amazing creations on there. Yeah, yeah. So the hip flask folk, they do this annually, don't don't you? They do this challenge yep. annually. Um, yeah, I've, I've there's I have been encouraged to participate, and both times I've went, oh, I just don't feel uh, confident enough to, to, uh, yeah, to. You should go and look at some of the other ones they've done and get some ideas, because. Yeah, yeah, soy vanilla ice cream as well. Mm-hmm. That's very Portland. They don't eat dairy. That's very so. that's very New Age. You get it in the co-op. Is that Pacific West Coast? Is it? Like... Uh, they'd be all over that here, <laughs> for sure. It's like the co-op <laughs> standard. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how many subscribers we've lost during this chat. <laughs> this is drum face. I'm sure this was drum face. We're, but we're getting the cocktail market, Roy. There's far more of them. Nah, we're sorting. <laughs> we're going for Rachel, numbers. I might. I might have the answer. I might have the answer to your um, problems with cocktails. It, it, it would involve getting a baby sippy cup and putting oh. the cocktail in there. That's a and then you're spill you're spill free. I should try that. I should try Have that. When I said I don't do cocktails, is one of my fr- it kills me whenever someone asks about cocktails. One of my friends ages ago was working in a bar, and someone asked for a lager tops, and he was like, "I don't do cocktails." <laughs> she, was, she was quite a proper real lady, and she absolutely she jumped. It was hilarious. <laughs> so that's when folk come to my house. I'm like, I don't do cocktails. I'll try. I will try. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll share, and I don't know if it's mine to share, but if um, if Dan ever finds this podcast and wants some payment for this, I'll I'll, I'll pay him. But oh. I got a, a recipe. Um, I'm a mass. I love an espresso martini. Mm. I discovered them about a decade ago in Hong Kong, and you know it's it's like the grown ups vodka Red Bull, really, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it it will prolong your night by a good couple of hours. And, and it was amazing when I discovered it. But then I discovered this drink at a friend's bar in Edinburgh. And I asked them for the recipe. Um, so for Brucey bonuses, you've got, what is that, three cocktails we've shared? We'll give four, a fourth one. So it's a smoked espresso martini. And it uses, I mean, he gave me this before the price went up. It's a Lagavulin 16 is in this. And it's amazing. And I, you know, I'm not normally making a whiskey cocktail, but when I do, I make this. So it's 50 mil Lagavulin 16. Yeah. 20, 25 mil Tia Maria. Oh. Yeah. Double, a double shot of espresso, which you have to chill. Don't, don't try and mix it uh, hot. Sure. And then, and then five mil sugar syrup or gome. Um, and you are off, point. you are off to happy town with that. It's mm. tremendous. It's so good. And that, the espresso, that takes too much effort. Well, just make it early. To cool down. Just make it early or put it on ice. Just cool it down. Ugh, no, uh, but it is, what, it is one of those cocktail it. kind of things. You, there is planning involved. And if you're into planning mm. and you know it's... But if you're just in the mood, if you're sitting there on a Friday night and you're going, oh, I could murder a, <laughs> uh, an espresso man, you know you're three hours away from it, let's be honest. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depends how dedicated you are. If you make your espresso in the morning, leave it in the fridge. Happy days. Well, I am guilty of throwing away coffee because I'll make a pot in the morning and some mornings I, I get through it because you need it. And other mornings it just gets kind of left and you feel really guilty about this cold coffee. So there is, I tell you, I'll make a pledge. Gregor. Yes. M- maybe not by the next podcast, but by a, po- a podcast very close in the future, I'll have made and tried an espresso martini, okay? 
Not by I, next week's podcast, wink, wink. That's right. I might not have time to make it for next week's, so that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, no, that's, so that's, that, that's on theme, because it's Christmas time, it's festive, right? And we've shared a couple of recipes there. Aye. Well, I wonder, is there, is there a, is, has anyone got a wintry cocktail? That, you know, I, I've not messed around with hot toddies, for example. Hmm. Did, did you catch Roddy's? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, were you going to mention something about Roddy's cocktail? Yeah. Is it yeah. the Rod Roy? <laughs> no. no. But oh, that's he enough. does that's... a fantastic Rod Roy. Uh-huh. That's Gordon's That's Gordon's dream. It's just <laughs> doubling cask strength, Arna Merkin. Yep. <laughs> and I'll be happy. Do you, do you know the Rod Roy story, Jen? No? I don't know. I don't know if no, I do. No, he was on a V-Pub Live and it was the theme was Breaking Whiskey. And we start, we opened up on Roddy Live and he was a wee bit nervous. So he ditched his white and Mackay blended whiskey to make this uh, this reverse Rob Roy. And he pulled out the Ardenmarkin Adventurer's cast strength bottle he took the tissue off it and he uncorked it so you can imagine everybody just the gasps of horror because they can't get this stuff and and roddy's thrown it into a cocktail but because it was cast strength it's a reverse cocktail so you use half as much whiskey and double up on the vermouth but roddy was nervous and he doubled up on the cast strength whiskey <laughs> and the only, i'm very very proud of in five years of broadcasting i've never been baked on the put on the v-pub but I was 15 minutes into that stream and I was feeling no pain, gleefully happy. And a guy in this chat, I think it was Dave Swift, chimes in saying, hey, guys, I've just watched from the start. Hey, Robbie and Roddy got the ingredients back to front. And it was forever known then thereafter as the Rod Roy then. Um, and that that's, that's how that came about. It was Roddy gone. Did you know us at our little whiskey club festival and I had, I was, hosting so I was trying to be sensible I had one and then I had to come away from everybody else and come and sit on the couch and have a cup of tea for half an hour until I could yes. return <laughs> so your winter, co- your winter cocktail is a cup of tea yeah I have one here <laughs> or a whiskey mac I don't know if that counts as a cocktail it's only got two ingredients but I do like a whiskey mac what's a tell- whiskey mac yeah tell us oh whiskey mac is 50 50 um, probably something like a famous grouse and green uh, crabby's green ginger. Ah, okay, okay a whiskey yep. ginger. So like, yep. okay. well, like a like a proper like a ginger wine. Yep. Oh, it's delicious. Okay. Very tasty. So I introduced it to introduced Rachel to it last week. Yeah. Um, and I the one I the ginger wine that I use is homemade by my auntie, so it's non-alcoholic, which is quite good because you're then putting it fifty percent with whiskey. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. the the Krabby's green ginger is. I think it has alcohol in it. Yeah, it does. That's one another one to try. Uh, it's that's a tremendous uh, shortlist for the the seasons. People are going to have a very very merry Christmas if they drink along with <laughs> this right. podcast, especially <laughs> if they take Jen's a uh, summer highball and then play with the highball over the winter season with different whiskies and see how much that cocktail changes just by you switching out malts or blended malts, or blended whiskies, as you prefer. But the, the, the whiskey you use is fascinating to see how it changes. It's just a simple drink like that. I found it's good with something that's got a bit of a bite to it. Like, I really liked it with the Deanston Virgin Oak, or like a Tomatin Legacy, but wasn't so keen on it with something that was like Sherry Cask. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and it's probably 
betrays my drinking habits, but I agree. I think you need a wee bit of ABV in there as well, just to keep the, the whiskey and the spirit alive. It's just uh-huh, a, wee bit, a wee bit of strength. And also, I think if it is stronger, you do, despite your weed anecdote there, Jen, you do slow down a wee bit. You're aware of drinking alcohol. Whereas mm-hmm. I think people get caught out with cocktails when alcohol is very heavily masked. And they just drink it like a smoothie and wonder why they can't, <laughs> their legs have stopped functioning, right? <laughs> so oh, it's nice yeah. to remind yourself that you're enjoying alcohol. Ah, it's true. Good. Um, what about yourself, Roy? We were touching on um, palate diversity through the year. Are you, do you run into the same, you know, formula of cocktails through the summer, smoky single malt in the winter? Aye, I'd say predictable, really, really predictable because, you know, I take the summer break and the summer break's about recharging and taking, just getting a bit of distance and things. And in a couple of weeks, three weeks in Spain and there's whiskey out there and if it's late at night, I'll maybe pour a wee dram, but I'm really enjoying highballs and things when I'm out there. So uh they just work, they just make sense. And when you, especially when you have the Spanish whiskies, because they they are developed for that very thing for summer or, or let's see what warm weather sipping, but then you come home and as I love the seasonal changes and this year I've rediscovered and you'll love this Gregor, I've rediscovered sherry casks. I'm loving it. I'm absolutely. We're <laughs> 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 getting a minor celebration from our host there. <laughs> but we might have swapped. We might have swapped positions a wee bit, but I, I just. You know, because my lane is definitely refill and bourbon and that kind of thing. It's just what I enjoy. So distill it forward. But when you get a sumptuous, big, rich hit of sherry, even if most of the flavours that you're picking out are all cask flavours, it doesn't matter where the flavours are from. It's gorgeous. And some of them, some of the recent ones, that Kuboken recently from Tomatin, the 15-year-old, that's very balanced. That's wonderful. Hey, the the Ardamarkin, I, I hope I'm not stealing thunder in case, just in case uh, Gordon's got his Ardamarkin on the go there. But that uh, Madeira cask from Ardamarkin is just, I know it's a finish, but my goodness, what a sweetie treat that is. It's just amazing. So, and, and it's very appropriate. It suits the season for me. Um, so, yeah, it was, the Ardamarkin's got a wee lick of peat in it. The Kuboken is very peaty. So that, that, that this time of year, sherry and peat is just magical. Is that a bit predictable, it, I think? No, 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 no. I'm still processing the fact that Roy's talking about enjoying sherry. It's, <laughs> it's taking, taking me aback. I always have, but it just was never my preference. And it's, it's still not. I mean, it's the, the answer, as I said earlier, I'm just going to take my bourbon cask and run. But just having them up there, having that diversity, is that not Scotch's strength, let's be honest? That oh, diversity, sure. there's those two drinks are not even in the same ball. No, it's not even the same ballpark. It's not even in the same sport. They're completely different drinks, um, I think. And that's what makes it magical. You can sit down with somebody who's really hardly had whiskey in their life, give them two of those to sip in contrast and tell them that the ingredients are the same. And it's super interesting to, to talk about that. Aye. Jen, Rachel, I'm curious if our palates are kind of dancing around seasonally. Is that then reflected in what people are buying? And and if so, what are the, the sort of tendencies or, or patterns you've spotted as we head towards Christmas now? Yeah, I think a wee bit. I think definitely people are going for more of the sherry bomb whiskies towards Christmas time. But then I also don't know if that is possibly 
us kind of suggesting that sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely sales of whiskey up compared to other spirits, mm-hmm. I think, in the winter. But specifically of whiskies, I think that's quite hard to say, isn't it? Actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We definitely, like, if people are saying, telling us what they want, we'll often say, like, maybe a, a nice kind of sherry bomb, like a Glenallachy or the, the Lindor sherry cask. Um, when people are saying, oh, I want a nice bottle for Christmas. And you're like, oh, this is a perfect Christmas dram. So it's hard to tell if it's us pushing them in that direction or if it's... There is also, there's different, like, misinformations that you notice in trends throughout whiskey. Definitely. In retail anyway. So, you know, for a really long time, people were like, oh, this whiskey that is from Isla is smoky because of the water because of the water under right. repeat or whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. And most people now who come into whiskey shops don't think that. A recent one I've had, which bamboozles me, because it used to always be the darkest whiskey. People thought that's the best whiskey, that's the oldest whiskey, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Now they're like, no, I don't like them too dark because that means it's really peaty. And mm-hmm. you, you, have to have a, a real, you have to have a real fight with someone or, like, fight. You need to get them to smell it and trust you to be like, there's no smoke at all in that. So yeah. there's been quite a few folk I've noticed, instead of going for darker ones recently, they'll go for lighter ones because they don't want smoky ones. Whereas <laughs> that was the opposite of that before. They'd be suspicious of a pale whiskey because they'd think it would be really fiery because it was young. Yeah. yeah. Until you kind of explain, don't don't really look at the colour. It'll tell you some things, maybe. But, uh, but yeah, that's definitely like in the past year, that's the one we've had. And you almost have to try and get it out of them as well. Like, they don't even tell you why they don't want to try it because it's dark. They're just saying, no, I'm scared of that one because it's too dark. I that, that, that one. There's a lot of work to be done, isn't there? A lot of work to be done. <laughs> People well, I love it, right, don't they? We're well, working on it every day. Yeah. <laughs> but we are visual. You know, I think we're hardwired yeah. to mm-hmm. be visual, right? It's saved our lives way back when. But I'm curious yeah. then, Rachel, Jen, it must be, it must be quite... F- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, um, it must be. It, do you do you guys play a game of like what this person? Do you judge? Not judge is the wrong word. Do you oh, try we and do. Assess? We judge. We judge. We do. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm conscious some of your customers might listen to this. Uh, let's. Oh, they know. Down. They know. Don't worry. That's fine. <laughs> but do you try and assess when somebody walks in? You're like, this person's going to be their gin. They're a gin drinker. Or are oh, they, no, I don't do that at all. No, no, no. no so I, don't I find really if, do you, if you do that, you will be stand. You will be standard corrected. That's not how you say it. Stood correct? Stood correct? Yes. Stand, Stood? You'll stand corrected. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and also, I know going into whiskey shops that people before have been like, oh, that wee lassie likes gin. I'm like, well, I actually mm. go to a whiskey shop, so I wouldn't assume mm. that. So I never, 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 never. The only time is if someone comes in, they go, have you got any pink gin? I'm like, the co-ops are so long there. (laughs) But yeah, we've been judged so many times and wrongly. And when you go into a shop and they go, oh, can I help you? The gin's over here kind of thing. And you're like, no, I'm here for the whiskey. And I've I've seen it done to other people as well. Um, People just observing in other shops. And someone will say, oh, I'm buying a whiskey as a present. And they say things like, uh, is it is it for a man or a woman? Or are they old or young? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter no. what they are. You, you <laughs> are never going to know their taste by any of those things. So you can't. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh, so much right. profiling goes on, isn't it? So much mm-hmm. like pigeonholing. But I, yeah. I often think, and, and I just, I, I often think that 
I, these people they don't mean to be clumsy they don't realize that they're all. being a bit they're being a bit silly right and and it's kind of i suppose i can imagine you walking in jen and saying oh the gin's over there i'm after a lechick 18 you silly cow can you imagine it just being it's like oh really <laughs> so but it's it's like how you how you bridge that how you kind of um, so you've got the customer there who's saying, oh, no, I don't want that dark one. I don't like the smoky ones. And then you've got the, the person behind the counter who's kind of coming out with silly things like that. There's, there is a huge, uh, there's, like I said, there is a, a lot of work to be done because I, I, it's not lost on me that we live in the country where this is our product. You know, we are not the only country making it, but we are mm-hmm. it's probably we're known for that more than most other things. And if we, if I was to walk outside of my house and just ask my neighbours the difference between a blend and a malt, they wouldn't know. No. And they might feel that dark ones are smoky or pale ones are smoky and they might th- suffer from all of this. So I fair play to you guys. I, I'm, now, I'm sure that you're all very diplomatic and tactful when <laughs> trying to navigate your way, your way through. Most of the time. Um, <laughs> Or, or just send them to the co-op. Absolutely right, Rachel. <laughs> I do it in the most polite way. <laughs> just like if you're if you're looking for Gordon's Pink, we don't have that. There's no point buying something. Well, that's, you don't a, want. that's curious you know about buying. What? How do you prepare for the month of December in terms of what you're buying in? For example, drink oh, not lots. as much as we should. No. <laughs> <laughs> Those answers, the, the answers were over each other. They were over Sorry. each other. One one answer was drink lots, <laughs> and the other was. <laughs> We don't, <laughs> or not as much as we should. If one of them's saying we, we drink lots and the other one's saying we don't prepare, it's probably the right thing that they answered over each other, right? Because <laughs> you can see why it's... <laughs> oh, dear. By the way, we, we don't usually... Everybody comes on the podcast not as kind of I am and my name is and I do this. Um, but mm-hmm. well, I just want to, I do want to mention that Jen and Rachel are both behind the counter at a... Uh, the calendar drinks co right in calendar mm-hmm. so yeah. uh, if you if you feel like you've heard their voices before it's probably you've been sent to the co-op from that shop <laughs> in the most loving way <laughs> no i don't and, think and anyone that's listening to this will have been sent to the co-op nah, no nah, I, I was going to say and if anyone hasn't that isn't that is listening already hasn't they need to subscribe Yay. To <laughs> please thank <laughs> you <laughs> so but Rachel you said you said there was a few myths there kicking around still what has there been have you noticed um any positive change in what people are buying or asking or oh or, most or definitely most definitely I think on the whole I'm sure you'll agree Jen that people are by by and large much more educated I think than they used to be mm-hmm. um but there's just that 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 color thing was just particularly like I wonder where that came from, just because the focus used to be so much on dark whiskies, and it was such it a was struggle kind of to pull, yeah. yeah, to pull people to like a, a light whiskey or to not bother so much about the color. And now it's switched around. But generally, I would think they're much more educated, and they ask things like, "Oh, is it chill filtered? Or is there coloring in that and stuff as well?" And one of the the I go out and do lots of tastings, like more usually at least once a week. And the thing I've noticed over the past, like couple of years is people don't tend to even notice anymore whether there are age statements on the bottles yeah that used to be a huge mm. thing didn't it people wouldn't drink much, a whiskey if it didn't have an age statement yeah definitely that's interesting mm. yeah and people also are much more uh, happy to put water in their whiskey 
used to get a lot of backlash mm-hmm. about when you suggested that, and people are a bit more, they're a bit more happy about it. But Rachel, you said you don't do cock. You said you don't do cocktails. Ah, uh, well, it's two ingredients: whiskey and water, my friend. Three ingredients for a cocktail. If I've got a garnish, I'll have you. <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. No, I love right. it. But it's good. It's good that there is progress being made there, and it is good to hear things that. Um, and and I talked recently about this as well that I think the new distilleries we've got a lot to thank them for for redefining because the the reason that we wanted an age statement was founded because we saw Glenlivet change from a twelve year old to an on age statement and we could taste the difference and we weren't happy about that that yeah. step change and nobody from Glenlivet came out and went oh well you know whiskey's really popular now and we're a bit light on stock. We've done the best job we can with Finders Reserve. We've come in with it. This is this. No, they just they put it on the shelf and suggested that that was, you know, that would keep the, the Glenlivet customers happy. And they made a mistake. And I think they had to reflect on that. But what we're seeing now is, um, and by the way, that's, uh, sorry to Glenlivet, there's lots of non-age statement stuff came out uh, about 15, 10, 15 years ago. On. But what's happened now with the new distilleries, they're showing you that they can make super densely flavoured, delicious things. And there's not an age to be found. And if you do find an age, it's because you scan a QR code or you look at really small font or something that tells you the distillation and things. And so we're, it's redefining this. And, and I think it's right because the the world doesn't really care about age statement. The reason the age statement became such a thing in malt whiskey is because Scotland had a butt ton of mature stuff and they were using the age statement to sell the stuff. Um, and that was the reassurance of quality from a time where malt whiskey was made for efficiency's sake, let's be honest. So, you know, age did mean a lot. Now we're moving out of those times fast, and that's really cool to hear that feedback from you guys behind the counter there, to hear that um, people are chilled out a wee bit about colour, about age, things like that. So it does feel there. a wee bit, like, I think a bit, a bit about transparency as well, it feels like, because, like, if you're not putting an age statement on your bottle and you're already restricted from what you're allowed to put on your bottle and then you're added colouring to the bottle, you're like, you're not actually, like, what am I meant to know about looking at the bottle and the label about this whiskey? Because you're kind of lying or not telling me lots of stuff about it. But now you've got the opposite, like Arden American with their QR code and Brew Claddie with their wee secret serial number and all that. Yes. Which is great. But I wonder how much, like, when at one point, I think it's the Scotch Whiskey Association that stop us putting as much information. I think on the label, is it? Yeah, well, you can't you you can't tell people what the parcels of stock are that make up the bottling. Which um, I wonder, like, will that ever change? Because well, because Arden American basically do that with a QR code, no. So the well, Scotch not, Whiskey not guys well, the, ought to. I don't think as long as the big boys, you know, if the big organisations who really don't it's not in their interest to be transparent let's be honest and mm. I, you know i don't want to be a conspiracy theorist about it it's just fact it's just they're into selling volume and they they are yeah. trying to make they are trying to make good quality product and by and large they do that they manage that but they're not it's not in their interest to be uh, to give up label real estate or to try and track masses and masses and masses of parcels mm. of stock right but for to restrict people when they decide that they do want to give up real estate and the label or have some system in place to tell people exactly if they want to find out what's in the bottle to say no you can't because they don't or come up with some other nonsense that reason that you can't is i think i hope rachel i hope you're right that one day somebody's going to sit up and say oh we can't do this 
especially when World Whiskey is just rampantly doing whatever they like with two yeah. fingers up to SWA regulations. Definitely. SWA regulations are super important that we have them there. It's, yeah. They're super important. But when they're obtuse and they give reason for you to consider that there is conspiracies behind it, that's when we need to start looking at maybe modifying and changing things. And um, colour is, think- is a huge one as well. It does, like, unintentionally for me anyway, some of the rules of the FWA keep it a wee bit gatekeepy when whiskey already does feel sometimes a bit gatekeepy. Like, if you're not in the club and you don't know enough, it's quite an intimidating drink. Mm, like, yep. you don't feel that way about gin or vodka, probably about wine you do, um, but probably wine and whiskey are the main ones you'd feel uncomfortable in a room of experts if you're just trying to get into it. And it does feel a bit gatekeepy when, you don't, when you're not transparent because it just doesn't make sense. Like, why not? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it's this stuffiness. I talked about it in the new distilleries VPub. This, these new distilleries are coming along and making a really vibrant, exciting scene, accessible, re- being relaxed, just trying to tell. The more they can tell, the better. The more of a story that they've got, and that makes sense because it's all very, very small batch and small scale. But I think that they are maybe a disruptor with a small D is appropriate. Is they're not disruptors. Um, but they are disrupting the scene generally. If I look at your retail shelves in the shop now and see Loch Lee next to, you know, uh, Lag and Lindors and, um, you know, Ardnamurkins and yeah. all of these. I was just about to say Daft Mill, but <laughs> not much chance of that. <laughs> but no, but I, generally what we've got there is this kind of really quite vibrant thing where the kind of old traditional Scotch label has started to have to compete with shelf space with these new exciting things um, and it's very very good and it's the antithesis of stuffy i think it's quite exciting to see and it's local stuff that people can connect with and you know whether they live there or not it doesn't matter but they, they know exactly where it's from and 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 there's usually a story attached to it all and i i think it's um a, a really bodes very very well for the future of scotch whiskey when these things start to become as mature as they're 10 and 12 year old siblings let's say that's going to really show up the contrast there and we'll we'll be happy to throw 15 60 quid a bottle at it because it's going to be i hope and i feel like it is going to be superb mm-hmm. it is already let's be honest yeah definitely i think so that, that's, very, that's very christmas themed doesn't it <laughs> i think i think the the list that doesn't really exist or does it roy i think in your head of um potential vpub guests Let's add SWA representative to that. Yes. You were, You might not be surprised that I've tried. Yep, I've, I, I don't have any contacts there. But much in the same way that I would be blanked from Diageo, Pernod Ricard, yeah. Beam Suntory, Edrington, all of these people that we just wouldn't find my email or nobody would respond to it. Um, but the smaller companies, the ones that actually give a crap, you know, they, they, they respond, they come back and they're really quite, it's easy to engage but it's interesting wasn't the Oz was really compelling right thanks girls thanks for stepping forward and being so cool and involving yourselves in that too but how loud a statement was it that Pernod Ricard Irish Distillers Red Breast won two categories and nobody showed up and Nika uh, Nika, uh, nobody from Nika showed up either so if they'd have just kind of sent a polite wee acceptance video or just even a comment or an email or something that would have been fine but it was much louder the fact that they didn't show up. I've had emails of embarrassed people working for the companies saying, I am sorry. I'm so excited 
that we won this, and I'm embarrassed that no one from our organization even bothered to respond. When 5,000 people in the community participated in this thing. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's, it, yeah, that's yeah, the PR I think agencies we, as well. The bigger, it's funny, the bigger a machine gets, I think it is, it's not permitted, it's understandable. It, it doesn't mm. lessen the blow that was dealt I guess indirectly to the community that you know you don't. Well, what we did is we we worked that out and we went to the PR agencies, right? Uh, because they're responsible for for you know. Um, but if it's not in keeping or in tone with where they want their marketing message to go, they would just kind of quietly just let it happen, which is fine. But it does, does it, it does speak volumes. Does their frame, Roy, have perspex instead of glass, like you sent to Springbank, just as a backhanded? <laughs> no, there wasn't. We, we, I mean, we honestly hoped it right up to the last moment that, um, like Compass Box, we weren't sure, and then Compass Box got really excited once they understood what the Oz was were. Um, mm -hmm. Signatory Vintage, they won last year in twenty twenty one. They didn't step forward, but they stepped forward this year, and they gave us an exclusive. Yeah. You know, stepping forward and saying, oh, by the way, just an announcement, guys, this is amazing. We're not going to put colour or chill filter anything from here on forward. This is, uh, the message is loud and clear. Uh, we're not playing that yeah. game anymore. And their stock's becoming more and more precious as time goes on. It's becoming more valuable. It makes sense that they're not going to dilute it and corrupt it. So, aye. So it's it's good to hear that kind of thing. We I bet you might find it next year. A lot of these guys will be stepping up because maybe they're watching from the periphery and just seeing how it goes. This new awards kind of system, and then they're going. Actually, this has got a bit of traction, and that's when they start getting a bit more excited about it. Some people are, are yeah. slower to react, and as, as Gregor said, there are risks for them because it's just two wee enthusiasts, one in a spare room in his house, and the other one in a bothy in the Irish <laughs> Sea. Right? And there are risks for there for them, but yeah. what we're trying to do is build something that's bigger than any one of us. But you know, do they not have whole marketing teams whose job it is to look at stuff like this? Like, come on, lads. Come on. Well, well, you'd think, but I think that the if you're chasing a very specific demographic, if you're uh, trying to position yourself as a lifestyle product or whatever it may be, if what we're doing doesn't fit with that, they might not know how to. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose to interact with it. I think. Um, but what was what, what spoke volumes were? I mean, I just it's almost emotional. I have to hold the tears back when I see Spring Bank appear and they're jumping yeah. up and down and they're so i mean there's an organization that they can't make enough whiskey they, the last thing they need to do is sell more whiskey right but what they really survive on the lifeblood for them is people saying we love your your whiskey we love it mm -hmm. so for them that's a celebration um seeing that seeing the enthusiasm from hard working you know seeing compass box and signatory vintage stepping forward this year and aaron despite it being their third award distillery manager step forward this time of course and so when you when you see that thrill happening that you know i think you can taste it as well is that too much is that too whimsical i think no absolutely you can taste it in the liquid it's, it's i think I've, i i often talk about um the deeper connection and relationship you have with the whiskey on the back of being at the distillery and speaking mm -hmm. to the people and it, it completes the sort of circle the, the the symbiotic circle and you're right seeing the reactions of Springbank and, and the other gangs um it only reinforces it that they're as proud about making the stuff as we are excited to be drinking it so it's I love that yes absolutely it's, it's, when, well, once you realize that the people making it are enthusiasts and geeks as well right 
that they're real people. It's it's real people doing real things, and that's what I love about visiting the places and and you break through the barrier, you know, the veneer, looking glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love it. Well, I didn't think when we were talking about seasonality and palette drifting that we would in the month of December give um, or nearly December, (laughs) wink, wink. Give no, it's December. Like cocktail recipes. I didn't. I didn't see that one coming. But it's great. It's great. Great fodder. As and and, and I'd like to take my hat off to you and say, Gregor, you're doing a much, much better job of keeping us on an hour as well. Hats I know, I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. For your benefit, listener, because most people's commute is under the hour, so we want you to bite-size it. Um, but as we yeah. finish off all our podcasts with a, a game of I Am A Distillery, Rachel, Jen, I don't know if you've listened or know the game. You're nodding in, in the cloud of smoke that is Rachel's room. I can't tell if you're nodding or not. I've, Can I've, I just I've, say I've Rachel is not smoking, but she does have a fantastic uh, smeared lens right across her camera. It's smeared sounds dirty, Roy. It's scratched. It's scratched. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> smeared. What do you think I do with this camera when I'm not doing tastings? <laughs> <laughs> Rachel destroyed her camera, guys, and uh, we, it's now just a few pixels, smoky pixels moving around. By scratching um, it, by scratching it, please. Yes, cleaning it. You were cleaning it from I the blue cleaning it to stop people privacy. looking at me when I don't want people watching me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, no, nobody can see you now, so it's an effect. You, you only measure. get to watch me. You only get to watch me if you're paying for it. You know. No, I'm joking. I've gone right back around. <laughs> um, but Rachel, you've you've heard I am a distillery before. It's ten questions. It was a while ago, though. Remind okay. me. So you've got ten questions in a countdown from the most obscure to the to the most obvious, which is stating which distillery it is. You've got one guess as to what it is. So it's your choice. Do you shoot early or wait until you think you know for sure? Right. And the prize is is glory, bragging rights. And if you're back on a podcast, you might bring an I am a distillery on the next one. Are we? Are we? Have we each to do it? Jen will get this before me for sure. Are You're all there, and it's first. It's first past the post. You so can only have one answer. Once you've answered, okay, that's it. You've that's you mm-hmm. put your bid in. You can't suddenly work you out won't. what it actually is, and then yeah. guess again. And at the same time, until the, the end, innovation is something loud and animated. Sometimes it involves dancing. It does not involve taps. Ath. Well, oh. you know, it just hasn't yet. I suppose. <laughs> It could so, for me, no. you wouldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's roll into it. So this is a community uh, given I Am A Distillery from Ooh. Tim Otinger. Otinger? Oh, Otinger. Whis- Whiskey and Wine Trails. Tom. Whiskey and is Wine not, Trails, not Tom? indeed. Yes, Tom. Tom. So Tom O, appreciate it. We'll get rolling. And the first one is always... I am a distillery. I don't know, Tom. There's no way I'm going to gamble. Based, I know you. You'd have to piece the two together. Yeah. All right. Number two. My founder was of Scots Irish descent. I mean, wait to narrow it down. Going for it. I'm going for it. (laughs) I'm I'm just going to go for it. I think. What? No, I'll hold my water. <laughs> All right, Roy, I'll single-handedly making this making this episode longer than the hour. Sorry, uh, sorry. Question, question three: My core range bottles are released at forty-five percent ABV, 
and while NAS are aged between six and seven years. Oh, I'm very glad I held my water. <laughs> Core range, 45% NAS, but they're aged between six and seven years. Okay, question four. Mm. All of my bottles are marked with S-I-V. Are these all Scottish distilleries we're talking about? No. No, it could be any distillery in the world. Yeah. It can be it Sound. Okay. anything. Anything. Right, right, right. Mm. Anyone jump in on that? No. Ah. Okay. Mm. Question five. When first released in 1958, the retail price of my whiskey was considered rather expensive compared to my peers, in brackets, six pounds. Oh. Inflation's gone mad, hasn't it? Yeah. Bonkers. <laughs> And what we need to remember is it will keep doing it. <laughs> buy it now. So buy all your whiskey from us right now. We're open every day, <laughs> 10 till 6. <laughs> online? And online. There you go. Yep. Thanks, Gregor. No bother. Question six. I am not located in the British Isles. No. Oh, right. I think, I think it, 45%. Kind of suggested it's a bourbon. Uh, sorry, I don't want Columbo, to lead anyone. Colombo, Colombo, here in the corner. Well, I mean, it's it, forty-five is also <laughs> Japanese whiskey, but I don't know any Scots Irish descent founding a Japanese distillery. Right, we're getting into the home stretch. No one gonna throw their hat in. I don't know of any many bourbon distilleries. I'm very bad with that. Mm. I might randomly guess. Go for it. Just why not? Oh, are they even a distillery, though? Yeah, some, so many of the bourbon brands are mm. just brands, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess anyway. Okay. Knob Creek? Okay. I'm giving nothing away for the benefit of the listener. Question seven. I call Kentucky my home. Ah, Buffalo Trace. Oh. Number eight, my whiskey is a blend of 51% corn and red winter wheat. Oops. No idea. No, I have no idea. Gordon, Gordon. I was going to say he's the answer. I'll stick with it. Uh, fair play, fair play. Number nine. Rachel, you're still in it as right. well, aren't you? Aye. I mean, it doesn't make a difference really, but yes. No. Well, Rachel... I'm not give anything away, but I'll say whoever answers on the back of this, the first, might well get it right. Oh. Question nine. That means we've not got all, it right, Jim. All <laughs> of my bottles are hand dipped in red wax. Maker's mark. Oh, 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 oh god damn it. Oh you got in right. Ah yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I should have yeah. waited. I got Number it all ten, week, I think. I am Maker's Mark. Well done, Gordon. Ellen. Let's see the dance. Well done, well done Gordon. <laughs> I'm not dancing. I'm not dancing. <laughs> well, that dancing. was a fluke. Gordon was just doing the funky chicken, guys. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Ah, well done. Well done. Ah, that's well a, done, that's a tough one, Tom. Honestly, you're 
the only time, right? That there's the entire drum face cast. Is no American Scots people. <laughs> not an American to be seen. Not a, not a Sorry, drinker. we're very very uncultured, aren't we? Yeah, that I was know. fun I though. It. I enjoyed that. I love. Well, I love that Tom used Matrick of don't don't pick a Scotch, don't pick a Scottish distillery. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for joining. Are we, uh, are, we are we going to keep the Christmas theme going next week? Yes. Uh, do we give spoilers away? Mm. Next week's episode, the panel will be talking about gifts, whiskey gifts, and whiskey gift giving. Mm. Join us. And how to avoid <laughs> not making <laughs> don't give don't, don't give don't don't give it all away. Let's leave you know, you've got to was it clickbait? Leave them hanging. Well, we don't even know who our guests are quite yet, so well well yeah. <laughs> well, no, you're right. You're right. Uh but Rachel, Jen, Roy, Gordon, thank you for joining. Thank, thank you. Loved it. Loved it. Cheers, cheers. Thank thank you guys Bye. for listening. Thank you. Thanks Keep the much. comments coming. Bye. Bio break is not a bad idea. What? A bio break is a good idea between anyway. A bio break? Yeah. Bye. Oh. A bio break? That's the best way to put that. I'm going to use that now. Because that could be a number of things, couldn't it? Fantastic. Love that. But, but it gets, Rachel, it gets awkward when you say, I'm going for a bio break. That might be 15 minutes. <laughs> then then oh, they know. A bio break? That could still be. I don't know, man. That could be anything biological. You don't know what people do in the bathroom for 15 minutes apart from what you're suggesting. <laughs> well. Women, we have meetings in the bathrooms. We do. I know you don't do that, but we have meetings in the bathrooms. <laughs> Big decisions get made in the ladies' bathrooms. Ladies' bathrooms are much more sanitary places, I imagine. Well, those big uh, decisions tend to take 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, sometimes long. But I also think that if I, if you're a guy and you hang around the toilet, you're weird or you're taking drugs. Mm-hmm. If you're a girl and you hang around the toilet, you're just having a good time. You know? Oh, this is, this Very is different the, vibes. the wheels are well vibes. and truly off. Drumface Podcast 16 is going to be a belter. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I'll see you after. <laughs>